T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Hello, folks. Mike Miller here. And how's your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, simply give a call. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Drew is here. He's producing. He'll answer the phone. He just needs your first name. He'll put it up on the caller screen and then I'll get a chance to talk to you. And we can discuss what's impacting your trees. How about your perennials? How about the shrubs, your lawn, your ground cover, or anything that's planted in the outdoors? Or we can step inside and have a look at your tropical world. And uh, we can talk about every inside plants, outside plants, whether it's care and maintenance, whether it's an impact of what your pets are doing, or should you be using this or that? Should you be pruning now? What insects are causing problems? Oh, those suspicious spots that are growing. Can you transplant something? Can you take cuttings now? Well, I'll share my knowledge to help you make a good decision, but the action that you're going to take is going to be strictly up to you. And please remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you hearing about your plant world by me. Another as important player, as I said before, is Drew. He's producing. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come out to your plant world and do an on-site consultation, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and the homepage there will be my email address and phone number. And I've been out of town for 10 days or so, so there's several people that have emailed me and called me about coming out to their homes. And I've been too tired (laughs) to to get back in touch with you, but I promise to do it by Monday. And, uh, well, let's get strolling. And this stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, this is a good gardening stroll on the sandy coastlines of North South Carolina and South North Carolina. That's where we spent our 10 days from Myrtle Beach up to Carolina Beach. And uh, it was really kind of interesting. A few of the things that uh, caught me totally by surprise was there is now golf cars. That's golf cars, not a carts. And they have license plates like cars. And there were so many people they were driving these golf cars. It just caught me completely by surprise. Went by a couple different nurseries, and the 
thing that caught me most by surprise, again, at the nurseries, containerized stuff, you know, perennials, you know, crepe myrtles, all this other stuff. But the palm trees, they look like logs. The root system on the palms are very willowy, and they never really get any larger than almost kind of like finger size. And I guess when they dig them up, they don't really get much of a root system. It looks like I said a log that they just dig a hole and then stick it up and, uh, you know, put it down into the hole, and then that's kind of it pretty much. Other things that were going on, the crepe myrtles were in bloom, and there were so many crepe myrtles I could not believe it. Shrub type and tree type both. Colors ranged everything from white to a darker, almost deep purplish. That was unbelievable. The Saul Palmetto Palm Sereno Repens was probably the most common palm tree. Venus flytraps, you know, the one that catches flies, that's native to this region. Or it's been naturalized by, you know, plantings and everything else, and it's been aggressive. The several varieties of oaks, with the white oak being the largest, and a lot of the white oak, they were, I mean, huge, massive, probably... Uh, I want to say three to four inch caliper or inch, no, feet uh, caliper as far as the trunk goes. And it was, a lot of them had some Spanish moss on it. I was going to try to take some Spanish moss off a tree and bring it home to see if I could grow it. But I've tried it before and it never really makes it very well. So I decided to skip that. And uh, junipers, number of varieties of junipers and all with the nice blueberries and everything else. So that kind of caught me by surprise, too, because, I mean, I know it's well-drained and everything else, but I didn't know that junipers could handle that kind of, uh, you know, climate because it is pretty warm. It's not hot, but it's warm, and it never really gets, you know, super cold. But uh, uh, to go back to the palms, there are certain varieties of palms that are grown in North Carolina and, and South Carolina they can handle cold all the way down to, guess what, zero. I Huh? So maybe I'll get a palm and <laughs> try to grow a palm here and see if uh, it will handle it. The, probably the perennials that were in bloom that were the most prominent was a coreopsis. That kind of caught me by surprise that there was that many. It's not the same variety of coreopsis that we have here, but... Uh, Still, a lot of uh, sunflower family members were all over the place. And uh, there's a palm tree. No, not a palm. A pine tree, Pinus palustris. And the needles on that pine tree were up to 12 inches long. And they're in clumps of three. And it was really kind of a interesting concept because... It's a na- it's either native or naturalized. I couldn't I tried to get a hold of their, you know, online the extension service to find out some of the information and it just was too laborious to get the exact information on what was native and what was naturalized. But there's big stands for like a half mile or so of these particular pine trees and the trunks are basically naked all the way up to about 15 feet or so. And then that's where all the needles just kind of explode at the top of the tree. And it was just like, wow, we, it was just kind of neat to 
and there were several different varieties of trees that did the same thing where there'd be huge clumps, huge areas, multiple acres of and nothing basically growing underneath them at all. It was just a real, real surprise. Another thing that kind of caught me by surprise uh, from the annual standpoint, the things that they had in pots were pretty much what we grow in pots here. I mean, everything from sweet potato vines to just uh, the normal type of annual colors and things. I thought there may have, I mean, they did have some exotic stuff, but not a whole lot. You know, more than what, let's say, I do in my pots with the uh, elephant ears and the cannas and castor beans. I didn't see too many castor beans there. There was a couple, but not a whole lot. And uh, let's see what else was that really caught my eye. Well, that's kind of pretty much it, a summary of the things that went on. So if you do have any questions, we've got some phone lines open, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. Yes, folks. Three hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 414-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's start off the day in Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I've got two questions. Last fall, I had two locust trees removed. Now I'm getting volunteers coming up off of the roots, and I was hurting. I took boiling water and poured it on the volunteers, and it seems like it's killing them. They're turning brown. I want to put grass seed down, and I've got a plugger aerator, and I got one that cuts slits. Should I go ahead and aerate first, and then put grass seed down, or put compost with topsoil, and then put the grass seed down? I would put, probably put the. You go ahead and aerate, you'll put the grass seed down and just cover it with about a quarter inch or so of uh, compost. No topsoil? No, you don't need the topsoil aspect of it because the topsoil really doesn't blend well. The compost feeds the existing soil. Now realize that those roots, even if you're killing, let's say, the volunteers that are coming off the root system, 
that doesn't necessarily get rid of the roots, so the roots could stay viable, so you can still have some suckers coming for several years. Right. I, I drilled holes in the roots and put, you know, stump killer in them. Okay. I, it's going to take a long time. I, I know that's right. for sure. But, uh, well, I thank you, sir. I thank you for your military service. And from a submarine to a B-52, thank you again. Well, thank you. Okay, Mike. You be safe, okay? Yes, I will. And now let's go from Jim's yard over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Hi, Mike. Thanks for our service. Um I have a hydrange tree about 10 years old. Every January or so, I trim it back. I can reach it standing on the ground. Anyway, and it has beautiful flowers on it. And this year especially, I've noticed uh, many pollinators, bees, wasps, all kinds in there. And that's great because, you know, our pollinators are in trouble. Yes. But anyway, last year, around the first week in August, I had web worms in there, you know, that silky web. And uh, so I cut a few branches out. And now this year it's doing fine. But I was wondering, is there some type of a something I could spray in there and not hurt my pollinators but would maybe prevent the web worms from showing up again? These are probably not, you know, anything that's going to do any damage to your hydrangea. So in other words, they're basically spiders. And so you don't really need to, you know, get them under control. If you've gotten rid of them once, then that should be adequate. But there's really nothing that's going to be selectively. Now, if you wanted, if these, you know, check out these webbing areas and if they are spiders or spider mites, I don't think they're spider mites, there are insecticides that will, in theory, just kill the spider mites, like a miticide, try something along that line, and that should not impact the pollinators. But you never know if there might be some kind of residual effect on the pollinators. So I would minimize you know, any kind of application of anything related to controlling any insect type at all. Okay, Mike, I really appreciate our show. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. How you doing, Mike? Uh, here's what I got. I got a yard that's mostly zoysia, and I wanted to know what kind of pre-emergence I could put down for crabgrass, dandelions, and stuff like that that does come up that is safe for zoysia, and, uh, and when do I put it down, in the fall or in the spring? Well, it depends upon what kind of weeds you have, but your zoysia is going to be safe. Pre-emergence only kills weeds or plant seeds, regular grass seed included, if it's growing from seed. It does not impact anything that's a perennial-type thing. So, in other words, something that's coming up from the root system or growing on the roots like your zoysia is. So the pre-emergent has no impact on any kind of existing plant material, only things that are germinating seeds. Okay, because I actually do get out there and pull what I can up by hand. Right. I just thought maybe there'd be some kind of control I could put down for the gra- crab grass that does pop up and, you know, for a little bit of the dandelions and stuff. But, uh, if it's you know, if it's not going to be effective, I guess there's... I, 
don't do it then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, crabgrass comes back from seed, so it is self-seeding. So understand that that, you know, the one of the pre-emergent things is a crabgrass killer, or, or will kill the crabgrass because it does come back from seed. So you know, I mean, keep that in mind. But uh, if you if you're sure it's crabgrass and not Bermuda, then uh, you can put the pre-emergent down. And crabgrass is a cool, you know, basically just, you know, find out exactly what you have. And then there's two different types of pre-emergence as far as one controls cool season annual weeds. The other one controls warm season annual weeds. So the crabgrass is a warm season one. You'd put that uh, pre-emergent down uh, when the yellow forsythia is in bloom in the springtime. That's what we get. That stuff. Uh, now, uh, what's the name of that? Uh, just go to your favorite garden center and tell them that you need a pre-emergent for, you know, and it, there's not one specifically for, uh, you know, a, a particular name. It's just they control different plants, cool season or warm season. So consequently, you just need to put the pre-emergent down. Whatever your favorite garden center has, just use that. Okay, yeah, because mostly it, uh, nothing starts showing up till right about August. Right, okay. And that's when it all starts showing up, and then it's like, oh, okay, you know, but I do do a little pulling by hand, and uh, I thought maybe there's an easier way to go. Okay, I appreciate it. <laughs> sure, my pleasure. All right, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that it doesn't start showing up because crabgrass generally, well, it's going to be weather-dependent, of course, but uh, usually it shows up earlier than in August. So just kind of keep that in mind. And if you don't know exactly what your weed situation is as far as plant-wise, I would dig up you know, some, some of the plants or take some cuttings and just get them to your garden center while they're fresh so they can identify it and let you know that this, yes, this is a warm season annual weed. This is a cool season annual weed and kind of go from there. And let's go ahead and go over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Yeah, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Hey, I've got a couple of issues. Um, one of them has to do with a situation where the uh, commercial uh, landscaping outfit came in and cut my lawn for the first time using one of those stand-on type of uh, mowers. And everywhere where they cut, you could see the tracks. Right. The grass is just dead. Ooh. Yeah. And um, it happened to be a couple of Fridays ago when the temperature was real hot, and this joker was driving around my yard and my lawn like he was at the Indy 500. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So a couple of days later, I went out and looked, and I said, oh, my gosh, all the grass is dead. And it looked just like you had poured acid or, or something where the wheels were. So I'm in the process now of watering it and giving it some TLC, no chemicals. But I was wondering, what's the best thing to do to rejuvenate? Or should I just think about, forget it, just go ahead and water it. And when the time is right, aerate and then get some uh, good seed down. I would say that probably what killed your the lawn in these areas is the weight of the mower. So the soil is going to be very compacted. So I would not have a problem even core aeration now. Okay. And, and okay. Just, 
what type of grass do you have? It's a combination of bluegrass and fescue. Okay. So you have cool season lawns. Yeah. So this, you know, I mean, this time of year, they're not exactly very extremely vibrant, but I would go ahead and query right now. And then probably in uh, early September or so, get some grass seed for the areas and do a second core aeration at that time. Put the grass seed down and then put about a quarter inch or a half inch or so of compost on the top of it. And then just do the regular seasonal waterings that you would for your cool season lawns. Okay. All right. So core now and then... Uh... Do it again, repeat again after laying down some seed and right. uh, compost. I got it. The other question that I have, um, I'm starting to show a bunch of uh, uh, mushrooms out here. Is the pH too high or too low? Uh, basically, that means you've got a lot of thatch. If you don't have a lot of, if you, have you had a tree removed within the last couple of years? Mm, no. Okay, no. so. Generally, the mushrooms are going to grow off, you know, some dead plant material below the ground or something that's dying. So like tree roots or you have not dethatched your lawn, so they're growing on the mush on uh, in the thatch in your lawn. So do you do you dethatch at all? Uh, it's been a couple of years. Yeah. So that's probably it's got to grow on dead stuff. So uh, like grass clippings and things like that, which is thatch. That's probably what it's growing on. Okay. How do I eliminate it? Just dethatch or do right. I have to use a chemical? Or put- no, you don't need to use a chemical. Just basically get rid of the debris that the mushrooms are growing on. I got it. I got it. All right. As usual, Mike, you're very informative. I appreciate your service, sir. Thank you. Well, thank you. I greatly appreciate you having me on your show. And 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got phone lines open, and when we come back, Sue will be the first person we talk to. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And this is August, and guess what? Pre-emergent control would be put down mid to late August as seas germinate. Now, what are the annual cool season weeds that you're going to be controlling by putting the pre-emergent down this time of year? Henbit, chickweed, annual bluegrass are the three main, but there are several other ones. Persian speedwell, which grows very flat on the ground with a small blue flower, and it's in the same family as the Veronica is. So again, this is the time of year to go to your favorite garden center if you do have annual cool season weed problems and get the pre-emergent, it doesn't matter what type of pre-emergent it is because many garden centers will carry a different one. So I just don't mention a specific type of pre-emergent. Pre-emergent is pre-emergent. So if you've had problems with those any of those cool season annual weeds, then head to your favorite garden center and get the pre-emergent down. You'll be glad you did. Let's head over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Oh, hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a little volunteer maple that came up in the flower bed, a maple tree, and it's about a foot tall. And I'm wondering, what is the likelihood of that plant surviving if I were to plant it in the yard? 
transplant it over to be like a, a maple tree for the future in the yard. Uh, should be okay. I mean, it's in a bed space, so don't dig it up yet. Wait until the foliage falls off and then just dig it up and, you know, get the location. And since it's so small, you only want to probably dig a hole maybe uh, four to six inches deep, but about uh, 15 to 18 inches wide. So the lateral root growth, which is the feeder root areas, can start moving out. But you should have, you know, pretty good success with it. Once you transplant it, just, you know, water kind of almost, if we don't have any rain, every day that there's no rain for a couple weeks and then just kind of leave it alone, it should be okay. Oh, super. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, good luck with that. And now let's go over to Debbie's yard. Hi, Debbie. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I have a question about hostas. I uh, need to send my hostas out, and I want to know when would be the best time to replant, the spring, or could I do it now? Uh, It's probably a little bit early. I'd wait for another month or so, and then you can do it through the fall all the way up until uh, probably close to Thanksgiving. After that point, the ground may be too cold for the root systems to reestablish. It's not going to hosts are very tough, so it's not to say they wouldn't get established, but I, you've got a couple months in there to do it. Okay, thank you for your help. Yeah, and you don't really have to do it unless you just aesthetically want to do it because hosses don't, you know, they won't kill each other off just because they get thicker and thicker and thicker. Okay, but you you think it's best to do it in the fall and not the spring? Yes, the fall okay. is the best time to do any kind of planting versus the spring because the ground is warm, warm soil encourages root system growth, whether it's something that you've bought at a nursery or something you're transplanting out of your own yard. Where in the spring, the ground is very cold because we're coming out of winter time, and then cold ground, the plants just kind of sit there and shiver. And I'm kind of exaggerating. Go, ah, 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 I can't grow. It's too cold. So, okay. Well, thanks again. Right. My pleasure. And let's see. Why don't we go over to Tom's yard? Hi, Tom. Tom. Hi. This is Tom. Yes. Hi, Mike. Uh, my buddy tells me you know a lot about a lot. So, uh, <laughs> that's what he told me. And so, uh, I I got a gardenia. I've had this, uh, it's a tree, it's about six feet tall, Ooh. about five feet wide. And uh, I've had this for uh, uh, maybe 15 years. And uh, every year I do the same thing, and uh, it grows. And every year I get probably 50 to 100 flowers off of it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and then in the winter I bring it in and, uh, you know, baby it. But uh, this year, I've so far, I've got a, about five flowers off of it, and I've got about maybe five buds on it right now, and that's it. So I, I fertilized it earlier this year twice. So, Woody, you got any clues, suggestions? Uh, basically, it's probably weather-related more so than anything else, but if you've had it that long, you know, you know, you know what you're doing as far as what it needs and everything else. So just, you know, this year... Like I said, the weather was kind of goofy and kind of even though the you, you it didn't get any of the cold damage that a lot of the plant material, the broadleaf evergreens got to grow outside, 
but still it's just uh you know it could be a little bit of age factor as well what kind of fertilizer are you using are you using a fertilizer that has iron and sulfur in it are the leaves dark green I, like they usually are and look yeah. healthy i oh i i have new i have new growth on the, on the on the leaves i use a miracle grow that's supposed to be used for the gardenias and azaleas ah okay that's perfect so you're doing everything exactly right so the bud set and the flowers and everything else just had to be weather related more so than anything that you could you know alter with any kind of application of anything whatsoever okay well i appreciate that i got another question for you you do anything about plumerias sure oh great okay well i bought one i got it uh sent from hawaii and uh it seems to grow a leaf well i had a black fungus i got rid of that okay but uh the leaves seem to grow and curl off so i I've heard various things about how to take care of this. One says to water very completely and then let it dry out completely. What do you think about watering? I think that's the best way to do it. So water it and then basically wait until the potting mix shrinks away from the inside of the pot before you water again. Oh, okay. Interesting. Now, how how much sun are you giving it? Well, that's my next question. I've heard various, uh, it said put it in a, a, a south window, which I have it, okay. and then I put it outside. Uh, uh, but I've also heard that this thing doesn't like temperatures in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, that's why they don't sell them around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, they, it doesn't necessarily like it. It just doesn't mean it's going to be... It's not going to go downhill as a result of it. Okay. So does this want direct sun or indirect sun? Well, if you've got it inside, right? Well, it's inside, but I drag it outside. Right. So putting it in direct sun outside, you could get some sunburn on the foliage. So I would avoid that. So probably a filtered light circumstance while it's uh, outside, and then when you bring it back inside, give it as much light as possible. Very good. Uh, one last thing is uh, miracle grow, the regular miracle grow. Is this good on this thing? Uh, just watch out because you know if you use consistently the same fertilizer, and you can start to, once you start to see some kind of like a let's say a white, a powdery stuff on top of your potting mix, then mm-hmm. you need to change the fertilizer. Okay. What that is is that's a, sort of an alkalinity of certain types of fertilizer, and it builds up a kind of a salt level. It's not truly salt, but it's alkaline on top of the potting mix, and that's you want to avoid that. So also just you know stirring your potting mix with just like a fork or so occasionally will help. Okay, very good. Uh, last thing is it gets new leaves. But they've had a problem with falling off, and sometimes the new leaves aren't formed like they should be, like, you know, symmetrical. There's like a little dip in the leaf. Right. You know what I'm saying? What's that doing? That's just a result of, you know, the growing circumstance that it's in. Okay. 
Okay, well, I you've, you've answered about everything I can think of. So. <laughs> I, I thank you very much. You have a good day. You do the very same thing. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. Good morning, Mike. Thank you so much for doing this. Good to talk to you this morning. One, first, I just want to say I just loved everything you said about the plumerias. I've had one for 35 years. Whoa. And that one has spawned off probably at least 15 others. I had a friend give it to me years ago, and we put it. Sounds like he's, did he cut off? Kurt, are you there? Hmm. Let's go. Let's sorry, Kurt. Let's head over to Vince's yard. Hi, Vince. Hi, Mike. Hi. You mind? But good morning. My uh, phone cut out. I when Kurt cut out, I thought I had cut out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that uh, this is a great day to, to call you because I was planning to throw out some topsoil and try to seed some of my bare spots this morning. And uh, I was talking to someone over at your composting place, and they seem to think I should put compost on top of the seed. Right. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, that's fine. But wouldn't that uh, kind of uh, keep the sod, uh, keep the seed from poking up uh, or get, you know, all wet and? No, no, it's really is to the advantage of the seed. And what's going to happen is that compost is going to percolate down into the ground, improve your soil, and that will help the the newly germinated seed as well. Well, how would I apply compost without disturbing the seed? They, Just throw it out in hands full, hands full? Yeah. If you don't have a, you know, a, a spreader or something like that, yeah, just kind of randomly throw it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. By the way, I also been looking around for sod. I don't. They seem to think that sod farms don't have any sod this year because of the screwy weather you talk about. Well, that could be the case. I mean, it and it could be a little bit early because uh, the warm season sods, the zoises. I don't know if they're going to be cutting them this late, but uh, you could, probably in another couple of weeks you should start seeing bluegrass and fescue sods at the garden centers. Oh. Okay. Well, it's great talking to you. Well, thanks. Good morning. And let's go from Vince's yard over to Gloria's. Hi, Gloria. Gloria, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Well, I was going to ask you about, I got all these weeds, so many weeds in my yard. I can't, uh, can I use that liquid feeding weed? What temperature does it have to be? I'd read the label. It just depends upon the you know individual product that you have. So the label will tell you that if it's above this temperature, and usually it's above 90 degrees, you don't want to put a weed and feed down. If it's 90? Well, read the label on the bag or on the product. I can't, I can't see that label, so I'm going to have to get in so many little bit of... Uh, Brightening and put the glasses on and can't see it. So, I'm, I, I, uh, it's just terrible way they do this little stuff. Well, you know. Do you have uh, do you have access to the internet? Yeah, I'm a, that's what I said. I'll look it up on YouTube. Yeah, basically, 
check that out, the specific product that you have to make sure that you're going to get the right information that's needed. Okay, then when the fall come, I can put my uh, grass seed and compost down, right? Right, exactly. Okay, but I have to do the weeds just die off by the winter? It just depends upon what type they are. Some will, some won't. So it just, oh. you know, some are perennial weeds, and they're just going to, they won't be necessarily flowering. They may not be as robust, but they're still going to be there. And they say grass is so thick, and, you know, I never had a good grow. I had garden grass, but I guess it's gone. But anyway, thank you very much, and you have a good day. You do the very same thing. Thank let's, you. Let's see if we can get another call in. Let's go back to Kurt. Hi, Kurt. Hey, thank you so much. Sorry we cut off. Just two quick questions. One, nutgrass. It just seems that we have it every year, but it's just been incredible this year. Anything in particular you could recommend for that? Yeah, you got to use a sedge killer. A sedge killer. Yeah, so, I mean, specifically, other herbicides will have a minimal impact on the nutgrass. So you got to go specifically for a product that is formulated to kill nutgrass and won't damage other plant materials if it's applied after you read the label. So temperature-wise, everything else, just read it, understand it, and then do the application. Also realize the nutgrass is going to head towards dormancy real soon, so... Get, right, you know, get it down within the next couple, you know, several weeks. Okay, great. Now the second question is, if we had new sod put down last year, and it's wonderful, but we also have four dogs, Ooh. and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and we have brown spots from the dog urine all over the place, and I know we have purchased some of these pills that are supposed to neutralize it and all that. I don't think it's worked out well. Is there anything you might recommend for that? Well, generally what the urine has that is detrimental to lawn is too much. It has a very high nitrogen level. Right. So just what you need to do is, you know, kind of just dilute that down. That's the best thing you can do. So dilute that down with, you know, putting something on the lawn that dilutes down the nitrogen. Yes, so okay. even just, you know, regular watering of the areas, because they probably have the, consistently go to pretty much the same spots over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, when you got four of them, they have a lot of spots. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> okay. So just diluting that. Okay. And again, just real quick, I guess I don't want to cut, cut off. That plumeria we've had for 35 years, and I probably have given away 20 that I have broken off and replanted from oh that. And goodness. I still have three left at home. Oh, it's been fantastic. And they're beautiful. Yes. They but are. Anyway, Mike, thank you so much. My pleasure. And I don't know if we can get another call in. So, uh, so Jeff and Sally, we'll have to wait and talk to you after we come back after the news. And uh, just this time of year, it's, uh, you know, if you've had a problem with, you know, the, Cool season annual weeds. This is when you head to your favorite garden center, find out the information they have related to the specific pre-emergent that they have because a pre-emergence really help control anything that's coming up from seed. Now, if you're coming, you know, if you're planning on having, controlling weed seeds, also realize that the pre-emergent will kill any kind of grass seeds. So you can't put a pre-emergent down. You cannot put a pre-emergent down. 
in an area that you're going to put grass seed down because the pre-emergent will kill the grass seed as well. It will kill any kind of seed that is germinating. So it doesn't specifically just say, oh, well, you're just a lawn seed and I'll leave you alone. But over here, this is the henbit seed and I'll kill this or I'll kill that chickweed or I'll kill that annual bluegrass seed. Nope, it doesn't work that way. So just enjoy Ah, breathe easy. We're headed towards fall. We're on the downhill slide, but we still got some warm weather to go. But just realize absolutely to enjoy it. Mike Miller, I'll be back after the news. I'd like to be under the sea. In an octopus's garden in the shade He'd let us in Knows where we've been In his octopus's garden in the shade Now, at your service Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline With Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX Yes, folks 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And thanks, Scott, for the news and the update. When they were talking about the blues, are they talking about hockey blues? Are they talking about music blues? Blues, blues, blues. Love the blues. Again, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which is the tip of the trowel, special on-air recognition for individual circumstance or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week or plus. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And thanks for inviting me on to your show. The tip of the trowel I'm giving Mother Nature. We were gone for 10 days, and I have a lot of containerized plant material, and Mother Nature rained enough while we were gone. Tracy kept following it on her tablet to see how much rain there was, and uh, I only had one or two plants that got some uh, damage as a result of uh, probably underneath the eave of the roof or something, so the rainwater wasn't actually hitting the plant material, so. Thanks to Mother Nature. Mother Nature gives the tip of the trowel. And um, as I said before, thanks for inviting me onto your show where discussions can range from like making the right plant selection for a specific location, how to care for it after you plant it, how to plant it properly. That should be done first. And how are your annuals doing? How about those uh, summer bulbs? They still looking good? They can't. The cannas are really striking throughout the metropolitan area. I mean, they were before we left, and I only saw a few when I came, you know, drove back from uh, or <laughs> drove down here to the station from our house. But it, they think they everything looks really quite good. So uh, your ground covers, your perennials, how about those house plants? Are they cascading just right? How about your lawn? I'm going to do one more fertilization on my zoysia lawn, and then that's going to be it. I'm going to do it either today or probably uh, maybe next week. It just depends upon because I got to cut grass. I got to do some other stuff because uh, being gone for uh, 10 days or so, it means 
you've got uh, a little bit of buildup of yard work. Nothing really all that bad. But please remember also my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. And by the way, another very important member of this show is Drew. Drew is producing. He pushes all the buttons. He answers the phone. So if you do call, all he needs is your first name, and it goes up on the call screener, and then I take it from there. And besides the Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation, a walk-and-talk. My website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage has my email address and phone number. And as I said before, the tip of the trial goes out to Mother Nature for raining while we were gone, so I didn't lose a bunch of my containerized plants. And my zoysia didn't go downhill. The zoysia really looks good. It's a little bit long as a result of not uh, mowing, as I routinely do, but still it looks uh, pretty dark greens. As I said before, one more fertilization on the zoysia, and that's going to be it. And uh, that's because it's a warm-season grass. So let's, why don't we get a call in, a call or two, before we take a break. Let's go over to Jeff's yard. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Mike, thanks for taking my call. Quick question. You mentioned on your uh, trip that you found a palm tree that uh, could take some or tolerate some cold. Uh, Do you remember what kind of palm that was? No, I really, you know, there's about six or seven different varieties of palm. So uh, I was just uh, at the North Carolina University, University of North Carolina Extension Service. They showed the range of all the palm trees that they had. And, uh, I can't remember exactly which one it was as far as being able to handle temperatures down to zero, which I still find a little bit hard to believe. But <laughs> this is an extension service, and they know what they're doing more so than I do. Okay. Nope. That sounds good. I'll do a little research and see if I can find one. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I, I'm going to probably do the same thing and see if I can get one shipped in if, uh, if the local garden centers don't have them here. Now let's head over okay. to Dawn's yard. Hi, Dawn. Hello, Five Dawn. years ago, my husband planted two hydrangeas on the east side of our home, and they have grown really well. They are beautiful, lovely, healthy-looking plants. They bloomed really nice the first few years, and now the last two years, pretty close to nothing. I've read maybe it has something to do with pruning, but I don't. I guess I'm not certain what to do. It could do, definitely you can prune. What time do they have historically? What time did they bloom in the summer or in the spring? The spring. In the spring, so Late that spring. So in this, if it's a spring blooming variety, the only pruning you should do is right after they finish flowering. No pruning again later on in the season or anything else because you're pruning off the flower buds for the following spring. Okay, um, and, and all the woody sticks and everything I should leave? Uh, if the woody sticks have no leaves, they're dysfunctional, so you can take those off. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, it's a, just mistiming as far as the pruning goes, so you're just removing the, you know, the flower buds. Okay, yeah, because we were, we were not doing any pruning to like, the fall. Yeah, that's the wrong time to do it for spring bloomers because 
that you're cutting off the flower buds because they're already formed for the following spring. Okay, so just let them be no pruning. Yeah, pruning, or you can prune right after they finish flowering. So basically, Which didn't when happen it, this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this year because of uh, the weather, it kind of screwed up things. But normally, what you're gonna, you want to get your pruning done on any spring flowering shrub of any type, not just hydrangeas, but any type of spring bloomer, uh, probably before, uh, let's say around Memorial Day would be the last time you do any pruning. Okie dokie. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Judy's yard. Hi, Judy. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I just had a big oak tree cut down, and the equipment they used kind of messed up all the ground around it. Uh, should I bring in, what should I bring in? And most of my yard is weeds, but it's green. But what kind of, what should I bring in to maybe fill in some of the holes? And also what kind of grass seed and what, when should I do that? Uh, you're not going to have much luck with anything, to be honest with you. The soil's super compacted as a result of all the equipment. There's probably, you know, stump grinding chips of wood all over the yeah. place. There's a yeah, all that stuff has a detrimental impact. I would say you're just going to have to kind of live with the ugliness for a year or two before you really take much action at all. Unless you just want to, you know, throw some seed out and see what happens or just take the philosophy that uh, my father had when I was growing up. If it's green, it's good. And if you don't, you'll notice that the, probably the weeds are not even going to be invasive into this area. And if the weeds can't be invasive back into the area where the tree has been removed, then certainly grass seed is not going to be able to function at all. Okay. Well, all right. What about, is it time to trim use yet? Uh, you could do it. I would probably maybe wait for another couple of weeks, but then you could do it at that time. Okay. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, the problem with the, you know, when trees have been removed is the the root system is still there. The root system, depending upon how healthy the tree was, can stay viable for multiple years, and that's going to compete. And the surface roots, the near surface roots, even if you don't see them, that's the feeder roots. That's the thing that really has a detrimental impact on putting any kind of seed or even sod down on top of the ground, plus then all the equipment, the soil compaction as a result of that. You could probably, if I was going to do anything in that circumstance at all, I'd get a, a company to come out and do some core aeration. And after the core aeration, put a, you know, let's say a quarter to a half inch of compost on the ground and just realize that it's going to take a while for this to cook and finish and be able to have a successful lawn circumstance or a weed circumstance in that situation. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have a few phone lines open. Let's go over to Ellen's yard now. Hi, Ellen. 
Good morning. Good Good morning, morning, Mike. I'm glad you and your wife had a good trip to the Carolinas. Yes. Um, I'm ashamed to even tell you this, but I have not this entire year fed my hydrangeas and azaleas, my rhododendrons. Can I... Can I do anything now, or do I need to wait for spring? Yeah, you shouldn't probably do it now. What could happen is by the time the fertilizer, you know, dissolves, heads down, gets absorbed by the root system, it could force some growth, either bud formation or things like that, going into wintertime, and then you could get some damage as a result of that new growth uh, during the winter. And I already had plenty of damage last year when nothing got to bloom, you know, Right. Okay, that's all I needed to know. So I just have to do a little better job next year. <laughs> Put it in Thank your calendar you or on you your bet. smartphone. In my mind. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good. Got a question for you. About eight, eight to ten years ago, I received a a uh, sprig of witch hazel from the gardens. Ooh. And it's about, I'd say, maybe eight foot tall right now. Mm-hmm. But my main question is, when I go to the gardens, their uh, witch hazel is blooming with and has no leaves. Mine stays, the leaves stay on there until early spring before they fall off, or late spring. Okay. Why? Why do? Why is my leaf not falling off to where I can see the blooms in the spring? Basically, what could it be is a different hybrid than the ones that you're seeing at the botanical garden. So, so do you still have the exact name of the variety that they that you got from them? No, I do not. Unfortunately, all I can tell you is they do bloom. Right. But you can't see the blooms because of all the the leaves on there. Right. So what they are yellow. It is yellow. I do know that much. Right. So basically what this is is just a different variety than the ones you're seeing at the garden. There are several different varieties of witch hazel. So maybe go online, figure out which one. But you're not going to be able to not get rid of those leaves because it's kind of like, let's say, curly hair in the 60s. Everybody wanted to have straight hair. My hair was curly. I tried to straighten it. It didn't work because, you know, I'm a hybrid that says curly hair is going to be there, not straight hair. So what's happening with this, you know, this particular variety is it's just holding onto the foliage longer for whatever reason. But that's what it is. Okay. Uh, I would really love to find out that reason, though. I mean... It could, like I said, it's got to be just a different hybrid that's holding on to those leaves. Now, do you have your witch hazel in the shade or in the sun? Uh, it it gets sun in the morning or shade in the morning. It's full sun, say, after 1 o'clock. Okay. And is it close to a house? No, it's out. On my, I have an acre of ground. It's Ooh. all the way in the back of the acreage. Wow. So, I mean, it sounds like you got it in a good location. So why this is happening, you know, it's difficult to say, but I still think it has to be related to the specific variety that this witch hazel is. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of disheartening because you, you have to actually go out at the bush itself 
to see the blooms on it because of all the leaves. Right, because, I mean, the witch hazel early in the spring, that's a very striking shrub for sure. Exactly. I mean, there was snow on the ground a couple of times, and it was blooming. <laughs> right, exactly. So what you okay. might do is head to your favorite garden center or contact the botanical gardener or whatever and see if you can get another variety or a different witch hazel and give the, you know plant another one in there. All righty. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And Nadette, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, okay, the first question. My husband, before he passed away, about five years ago, he had planted some uh, apple trees along the house. He got them from Louisiana stockings. I don't know. I don't have the tickets. I don't know what kind they are. Usually, I lose them all. The squirrels eat them. This year, they're top-heavy. I have all the apples, except they grew not in width, but they grew up to 12 feet. And so after I get the apples, uh, when can I prune them to like five foot? Because they're too high. Well, and I had to put tutors to hold them. Yeah, so as far as the weight of the apples causing cracks and things like that in the branches, in the yeah. springtime, go ahead and let them flower. But just every other, you know, they'll start setting after flowering, they'll get pollinated. They'll start setting fruit and get rid of about half the apples. That will help with that particular circumstance. Okay, but now to cut them I... back, to cut them back from twelve feet down to five feet, then you're probably not going to get fruit again for multiple years. Oh, so you can't prune any kind of tree like that, you know, fruit type oh. tree that severely. So all you can do oh. is maybe cut one or two feet off. Okay. And if you do okay. that this time of year, you're basically cutting off the flowers for next spring. So you got to wait until next year and then do the pruning after the flowering in the after spring. After the flowering time. in the spring, then I can cut maybe two feet? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. And then uh, my other, I've got two fast questions. I've got something growing in my yard and it looks like corn. And I was wondering, is it the corn that I fed the birds that was corn in there? Or somebody told me it's some kind of plant that's called Johnson something. But it looks like corn. But <laughs> I don't have any corn. But I wonder what it is. Is yeah. it a weed? I Do would, you know? Yeah, I would say, you know, dig up a clump of it or take a clump of it to your favorite garden center and let them identify uh, it. Okay, okay, good, yeah. And my last question, I bought a, a little olive tree at Trader Joe. And, you know, it says you can plant it outside. It will grow to be five feet, whatever. So where where should I plant it? It should be in uh, full what? sun. Full sun. Yes. Okay. And uh, can I plant it now? Uh, it's still in a pot? Yeah. I would I'm say leave it in the pot until, you know, if it looks healthy and looks good, leave it in the pot until uh, mid or late September and then plant it at that time. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi, Mike. Thank you for your service. I live in South City, and I've got a garage here that's uh, not even, and I'm going to have it torn down. The concrete floor will come out. A concrete patio will come out. We're going to plant grass seed. Now I'm wondering what kind of grass seed 
And should we cover it with straw or not? No straw. Straw causes fungus problems. I don't know where that whole straw concept ever came from. But just realize that tearing this thing down, the soil is going to be absolutely horrible. So I would plan on having a landscape service come in and do some soil improvement before you did anything at all. Soil improvement. Right. So in other words, they're going to bring in some like a a topsoil compost blend and mix that in with the existing soil where it is. And it's you're going to... You can't grow anything on the area where this stuff has been taken down and will be virtually impossible. Even weeds won't grow there. Oh, okay. So I need a landscaper to determine what kind of soil. Right. They'll bring in, just tell them you you would prefer a topsoil compost mix. And that would be not just layered on top of the existing circumstance, but blended, rototilled in with the existing soil that's there. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. And realize also that this this area, because of the cement being there all those years, the soil pH of the existing soil is probably going to be pretty alkaline. So getting a soil test done ahead of time, even before they do any kind of improvements to it, might be to your advantage. And you can take soil testing, uh, soil test samples to uh, into Kirkwood, the University of Missouri Extension Service, and drop it off there and find out exactly what the circumstance is with the you know existing soil that you're going to be trying to grow some new lawn or whatever in that circumstance. Then present those results to the landscape contractor and they may make some modifications to what they're going to do. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's going to be a long, involved process, and I'm sure you, hopefully you understand that. So. Well, I don't. I'm <laughs> very old, and I wanted to... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts just to get done and over with. Yeah. 
And um, I don't want to spend a lot of money. I'll, I mean, I'm 85, and oh. I'm not going to be here to <laughs> enjoy it anyway. But I would like to get some grass back there. Right. I don't want to put gravel. Right. And I'm going to eventually fence it off by the alley. Yeah, I understand, but uh, it's going to be... You're just not going to be, you can't even buy sod and lay it in an area like that. So I would at least get a, you know, start with getting a soil test done. A soil test. Right. And and I could do that now? Yes. You can take soil samples. Uh, go to, do you have access? I can't, to, I can't take them anywhere. Can okay. somebody come out here and get soil samples? Right. Go to, you have garden centers close by? Um, I live in the city. Our garden center moved. It was on Hampton. Okay, so you went to Bears. Well, just uh, go to the, you know, you know. do you have access to the Internet or no? No, I don't do that, okay. but I know somebody who can, okay. maybe. And just probably go to Missouri Botanical Garden website and s- check it out as far as getting a soil sample. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah. Okay, bye. Good luck. And it's going to be, uh, maybe you should just put on some rose-colored glasses, and uh, that way you won't have to see the, the results of having a, all that stuff taken out. But 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have two questions. I had a buckeye tree and replanted it in the pot, like you said, and I lost all the leaves. But the top of the buckeye tree has a bud. And then my blackberries, my Jim and Jans, I have not got hardly any production from them. They have beautiful vines, but they're not producing anything. How old are they? Oh, I I trim them back. I don't know. They're about three or four years old or well, more. It still might be a little bit premature as far as being able to get much, you know, fruit production off of them. I'd stop pruning okay. them, you know, for a year or so and see what happens. But also, more than likely, it's going to be the age factor as much as anything. And what about the Buckeye tree? And the, are, do you want to go ahead and plant it or do you want to leave it in the pot? I'd like to go ahead and pot and plant it. Okay, I would wait for another couple of weeks before you plant it, and then just uh, you know have it in a good you know good location, not close to any kind of existing trees because of the competition of the existing tree roots, and just uh, then just dig the hole twice the diameter of the root ball or the the size of the pot, but only about eighty percent as deep. So you want the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. So with the bud, it's still viable then, right? Yes, right. Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Love your dad's mowing philosophy. (laughs) Yeah, it it worked very well for Ellisville in the mid-50s and then 
you know, for several years after we we moved there in '55. So uh, at that time, we, uh, this uh, the area was uh, really kind of a we. It was a lane that was led up to a farm at the top of the hill. But uh, now let's head over to da- Dale's yard. Hi, Dale. For taking my call, sure. um, I have two. Um, um, I, I think that they're Japanese uh, uh, holly bushes. They're about four foot tall, uh, and they're tall and skinny. And um, my landscaper originally, um, when we built the house, uh, suggested putting them in because of the shallow root base. And I guess when our house was built um, back in 2019, you know, they like to throw all the construction stuff on the side of the driveway you know, by the garage door. So he thought a shallow root bush would, would be helpful there. Um, and I've, they've been lasting just fine since 2020, but this year they're starting to die off and, and lose some of the leaves. Um, uh, well, the, the leaves are turning kind of brown. Um, and then most of them are, are kind of falling off. And I didn't know what could be going on there they they sit on the south side of my house you know next to uh uh my my brick frontage or whatever well it could be several factors they could have done well for a couple years because they really were growing within the existing potting mix that they came in in the containers and now that the root systems is migrating out beyond that and it's growing in a in a soil that's highly compacted uh, probably a nasty soil as far as pH-wise, especially if it's close to the foundation within a couple feet of any type of concrete, sidewalks, or anything else. That's going to be detrimental to the holly. Hollies do have shallow roots, but it's not necessarily the best thing to be growing in a situation like where it was planted. Okay. Is there? Would you have any suggestions as far as something that, that would, I mean, Probably the one side is probably maybe a maybe a three foot by three foot you know rock area because I also have you know my sidewalk going to the side of my garage right. that runs there and then the other side you know just gets in court is probably about three foot by you know it's a little bit longer it goes up to my front porch so is there anything that you know when these die off that would be a good replacement, or or am I kind of stuck? <laughs> well, you're not necessarily stuck. I mean, you could put a couple pots, and then you could grow stuff in the pots for, for seasonal-type color if you want to do that. Or take a look at the Hicks, H-I-C-K-S, Hicks U. It's a U that grows more vertical than it does wide, so you won't have to do any pruning except to control the height. But still, you're going to have to probably improve that soil to you know, for anything to be able to be grown in the ground. So if you okay. want to get you know some of the you know cer- decorative ceramic pots or something along that line, that would be a, another option. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's see where should we go. Let's head over to Jean's. Hi, Jean. Hello. Hi. I have a question about a weed that is invading our lawn. It's um, got a main root, and then it's got little runners. Could you tell me what that might be? Uh, it could be. Does it have a yellow flower on it? No, it doesn't have any flower. It's got real tiny, tiny little leaves on these runners. Close to the ground. And it lays flat to the ground. But when you gather it up, 
it only has one main root. I take a knife and kind of go around that so I can get that all dug out. Right. But and it's then, over. Well, you know, it's kind of tough to tell exactly because there are several different kinds of plants that, you know, that do grow in that kind of situation as far as, you know, having the, let's say, the mother plant or the main plant area and then sending, you know, runners out from that. What I would do is dig up one, take it to your favorite garden center, and let them ID it because I can't tell exactly what it is, you know, from your description. Yeah, each one has a main taproot, looks like. Right. And then they have these little runners, and there's just there's hundreds of them in the yard. My guess is it's probably Spurge, S-P-U-R-G-E. Take a look online at a Spurge and see if that's what it is. Okay. And then what you're going to do as far as that goes is use a broadleaf weed killer if this is growing in your lawn. Okay. When should I put weed killer in? So when can I put the weed killer on it? The broadleaf weed killer, you can really, again, read the label as far as temperature regulations and, you know, that type of thing. And you can put it down basically any time as long as it's not too hot. Should it be the granular kind? Is that what it is? Well, I would, I don't know how much you have, but I would use a, you know, the spray bottle liquid type thing. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And let's see, we'll probably have to take a break. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. A gentleman just called in and said the weed with the runners and everything else that uh, the lady was talking about is crabgrass. So that is an option. Crabgrass does send uh, runners out from, let's say, the mother plant. Let's go now over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hi, Mike. Yeah, thanks for the program. I appreciate it. I've got a hummingbird vine on a narrow trellis. It goes up about eight foot, and then I've got a four-by-four square that it sprouts out on, and the top's been getting huge. And uh, it's like it's got a great big hat on and a lot of flowers. And if I would cut that back just because it's getting so big, does that stunt the growth the next year or the flowering? Uh, It probably will have some impact for one or two years. But there's nothing wrong with doing some pruning. Okay. If I take each stem and go back and cut it like on a lateral, will that help it out as opposed to just taking a trimmer and going around it? You're absolutely right. It certainly will. It's going to be a lot more work for you, but it's going to be to the advantage of the aesthetics of the plant. Okay. I'll do that then. Just afraid one of these big winds is going to take the whole thing down. <laughs> so, so, yeah, okay. there has been some really strong gusts. Yeah, it's been making it through, but I know the bottom part's just so much smaller than the top. So. Right. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure. Bye. Hopefully your trellis arbor is uh, strong and won't have an adverse impact. Let's head over to Glenn's yard. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good you might have covered this You might have covered this earlier. I didn't catch it. Is this an okay time to be doing some serious pruning on the boxwoods and use? Uh I would wait for a little bit because, you know, there's still going to be some hot, you know, intense sunlight. So when you cut off anything, then you're exposing some needles or leaves 
uh, to bright sunlight and you could get some sunburn on it. So I'd wait uh, for things to change a little bit, maybe do it in from mid-September up till Thanksgiving. Well, good. Then I can put it off a little bit. Right, exactly. There's plenty of other things in the garden to do. So. <laughs> very <laughs> There's true. There's a few weeds growing. <laughs> well, thanks very much. Yep. And now uh, let's right. see. Let's go to Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Hello. Hello. Oh, hi. Uh, I was want. I had a question. I was wanting to know when I could move some of my or- ornamental grass. Uh, Bay, what you want to do is uh, it's a little bit again. A little premature. The best time to move the ornamental grasses is going to be in the springtime, but you can do it in the fall. And uh, just if you've got ornamental grasses that are clump growers, then you're just going to have green, let's say, blades on the perimeter, and the center is going to be dead. So it just depends upon the variety. If you do have a variety that the center is dead, in other words, and that's just how they naturally grow, when you move it, don't necessarily move the, let's say, the dead center part. Oh, okay. Okay, it's real beautiful. It's like over five feet tall, and it's variegated where it's green and white. And I just love it, and I want to put it as a divider between me and my neighbor's driveway. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you could do that. Uh, and, again, just do it. Uh, you could do it in the springtime if you want to, or if you can get it done by, oh, let's say the 1st of October, then you could do it in the fall. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, and let's see. Let's go now to Lynette. Hi, Lynette. Yes, hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have like a, oh gosh, 20-year-old split-leaf philodendron, and I take it out every year and bring it in every fall, and um, it really gets a beating outside (laughs) from the storms. So it falls over quite a bit. And I, yeah, uh, bless its heart, it's doing quite well. But I just don't know what to do with it. I don't know if it's worth repotting at this point or um, I just don't know, you know, what's the best thing to do for it. Just let it be. I would say leave it in the existing pot. If it's that old, it probably doesn't need to be in a bigger pot. But what I would do is go to your favorite garden center and get a heavy-duty weight, like a ceramic-type pot, and then just set the philodendron down in that pot when it's outside, then it won't blow over. Okay. So, in other words, you don't need to do any potting mix, don't need to do anything else, just the existing pot set down into a heavy-duty, and it probably wouldn't hurt to put a couple inches of... uh, rock at the bottom of the pot that you're going to get, and that way it will never blow over. Okay. All right. Because it's quite large, you know. It's just hard to believe. Right. The wind really can do that because it's even under the covered deck. But, um, all right, so good idea, and I'll just leave it be. Yeah, that's probably the best thing. Yeah, my grandmother had a a split-leaf philodendron that she probably had for 25 or 30 years, and... uh, it just it got to the point for even back then when I was a kid, I I just told her it's you know she it's had good. a screen porch that she moved it out into, 
So she just didn't have to worry too much about it blowing over. But with your situation, I think just leaving it and then putting it in a decorative pot is going to be your best choice. Okay, yeah, because as you can imagine, it's quite large. It takes like a dolly. Right, exactly. All right, well, thank you very much. And Brian, can you do it kind of quick? Absolutely. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, Question, I have a pussy willow outside of my front uh, door to the right side of my porch. It's in a nice, uh, it gets a lot of water, and the thing is just exploding and has been for years. And I've trimmed it back, I should say I've mauled it back to probably about four feet above the ground and did that last or early, I guess, in February. And it's now, you know, 12 feet tall and bushy. And is there any way, what's your recommendation on controlling a pussy willow from getting out of control? Uh, There is no way to control it. (laughs) That's just the way it grows, and there's not too much you can do about it. And is the best time to, to trim it? Can you trim it more than once a year? Well, you can, but then it just depends upon how, you know, how much the pussy willow aspect from an aesthetic standpoint that you care about. Right. So we do it after it flowers. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then prior to it flowering, I guess. Right. Okay. Thank you. That's all I needed. All right. Yeah. So it sounds like you got a great plan. And uh, Gloria, we're not going to be able to get a, get to you today. I want to thank everybody for uh, giving us a call. Greatly appreciate it. And please remember that if you weren't there, I would not be here. And just enjoy the day. It's nice and cloudy, but I haven't been outside since early on. I'm assuming it's going to be really humid today, even though we don't have the strong, strong rain predicted. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. Under the sea, in an octopus's garden, in the shade. We would be warm below the storm, in our little hideaway beneath the waves. Resting our heads. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during O'Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. 